episode 223 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast with my guest, Aaron Ruby. Fuck. Bass player for Walls of Jericho. Uh, I'm going to say, I guess, former member of Universal Stomp Detroit and owner and tattoo artist, but owner of North, what is it, North Main Tattoo in Detroit. Yeah, it's in Plymouth, a little outside of Detroit. A little outside of Detroit. Ridiculous tattoo artist. I've been, I've been creeping around your pages. <laughs> Dude, ridiculous. Like, there's certain ones that I was like, like, I wish that I, because I have scribble all over me too, but there's certain tattoos that you've done where I'm looking, I'm like, God, I wish I would have thought of that and I wish I would have gotten that, but I feel weird. You know, like the, the they live with the eyes, with the glasses, with the skulls. Ridiculous, yeah. dude. I was so excited to do that. Were you? Yeah, a kid asked me, dude, I tattooed this kid years ago. And then he just kind of hit me up out of nowhere. He's like, hey, what do you think about doing this? And I was like, yes, I think yes. <laughs> yeah, man. It's like I grew up watching that stuff, you know, and I've, I've been obvious. I don't know if you were a wrestling fan back in the day, but you had to watch it because Roddy Piper is in the damn thing. Yeah. You know, know? yeah, it's funny how that movie is kind of like, it's kind of true nowadays, dude. There's a lot of stuff in there that you're like, oh, that's really, that's really happening. Okay. Yeah. It's really fucking happening. Very uh, ahead of its time, as I would, as, as they would say. Yeah. Yeah, man. So how's life, man? Where are are you? Are you, are you, do you live in Plymouth by the shop? No, I live out outside. I live in like more rural area by like Howell, Brighton. How, I have no idea where that is. So how far is that, let's say, from Detroit? Um, maybe like 50 miles, 40, 50 miles. Oh, really? Okay, that far. Okay. Born and raised in Detroit? No, outside of Detroit, a city called Garden City. Me and uh, Mike actually both grew up in the same town. Okay. Mike um, Casey, for the kids that are listening. Yeah, Mike Casey. Um, yeah, a little suburb out about 20 minutes outside of Detroit. Okay. All right. So now I have to ask this question. I guess it's going to be the first like, formal question that I ask you. What was, because everyone always remembers it. What was like the catalyst or the person or that moment where you heard a specific kind of music that put you on a, on, a, on the trajectory that you went? Oh, I know exactly what happened. Everyone does. Of course. I know exactly. It, it's it's kind of a long story, but I when I was in... I have time, dude. I have time. Dude, no, no time limit on this? Nah. Okay. So I was in seventh or eighth grade, and I was terrible. Just like at school, like I had like D's, like I was just failing everything, and my mom couldn't get me to straighten things out, and she talked to my dad. She's like, listen, you got to get this kid straighten his shit out. <laughs> and uh, my dad was like, I'll, we can do anything, like anything you want to do. Like if, if you can just get like, get your grades up, just like, just, just like shoot for C's. Like, you don't gotta be a scientist. Just, just get it, get your grades up. Yeah. And I was like, I want to go to a concert. And he's like, okay. He's like, I will take you to any concert you want to go to. You can get your grades up. So next report card came and I got nothing lower than a C and he took me to see Maiden. No I'm shit. Like, I want to see Iron Maiden. And, uh, it was 87 or 88. So it was still like prime, prime maiden, you know? prime maiden. Sure. And, uh, I, obviously I lost my mind, you know, and it, it seemed, it seemed impossible to try to shoot for that level, you know, but I was like, man, like playing in a band would be really sweet. Yeah. And then like, right after that, I had, I had started beginning to discover punk rock and stuff at the time too. And, uh, so then the next card marking came around and uh, the Circle Jerks were playing at, at St. Andrews Hall, a little smaller venue in Sick. town. And uh, I was like, I want to go to this. Like, will you take me to this? He's like, yep. He's like, you got your grades up? Like, let's do it. And I saw that show. And they had a balcony. So I kind of was, you know, I was like 14 years old or something. So I'm up in the balcony, like, watching what's going on. And uh, so the, the whole place is just a huge circle pit, just stage diving, just all, all the fun stuff that you want to see, you know. Change your fucking life, change your life in 14. Literally, literally changed my life. I saw that and that seemed much more obtainable of a goal. And I was like, I want to be the person that facilitates that. Like, I want to make that happen to people. Like, I don't want to just be in the crowd. Like, I want to make people do that. 
Yeah. And that was it. And that was when I, I kind of set my sights on, like, I got to figure out how I didn't play anything. So like, I got to figure out how to play something. I got to find kids that want to do this. And it took me into, uh, I guess maybe 11th grade. Okay. And I started like finding some kids, like meeting some kids that could actually play some stuff. And then we started messing around and then, you know, obviously didn't do anything, but you know, trying and then getting your foot in the door and trying to, you know, meet things. And yeah. Was it, was there that typical, because it seems like it's, it's, it's the case across the board where there's always that one kid in like junior high school or high school who was like the genius who could place. There was always that one metalhead, at least it seemed that could play like ridiculous, but the kid is like 14 years old and he could fucking jam. Yeah. We had a couple of dudes like that that I went to school with, but none of them wanted anything to do with me or what I was doing. You know, like they, they were a different realm kind of thing. Like I was just trying to play punk rock stuff because that's all I could figure out. Yeah. You know, like you know, I didn't really have, I had a couple people kind of help me with some stuff. My dad plays guitar. So okay. he kind of helped me with a little bit of stuff, but it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't the avenue I was trying to go. Right. And I was trying to do like, originally like you know he's like we'll get an acoustic guitar you know we'll do this stuff we'll teach you how to learn the right way you know and i was like well i don't want to learn the right way i want to make a bunch of noise and racket and stuff so i had given that up and then later kind of rediscovered it and then he helped me out more like in my later teen years and stuff and yeah well that's cool man i mean i mean obviously i'm just an outsider looking in but i mean he he all he wanted you to do was do good in school but he was super supportive of whatever music you wanted to go to. Dude, if I, if I, I just fucked off in school. I was terrible. You know, my parents were like, my mother was just like, just don't let your father find out. You know what I mean? So we kept everything from my father and I fucked off. And I could never in a million years picture like me and my father. If you knew my father, you'd completely get it. Ever walking into a fucking punk rock show with my father. Like it would never happen in a million years. Yeah. Now my dad likes the stuff, but he loves metal and like he's into all kinds of cool stuff. Like, yeah, it's been a good like uh, like when I was young, he encouraged me to to seek out stuff. Like, don't just listen to what's on the radio. Like, there's a whole world of other shit out there. He's like, this is how you find it. Like, like look for things. Like, there's there's things that you're gonna love. You know, that nothing like any of this. So he was really supportive of of alternative means of music. Sure. You know, and then I would find things and bring them to him, and he'd be like, this is actually pretty cool. So he would like stuff, and then he would. He would bring stuff to me sometimes too. He was into like early, the early crazy stuff, like old, like you know, Stooges and uh MC5 and like early yeah. Alice Cooper stuff. Like that was the kind of stuff he used to rip when I was a kid. Sure. Well, that's awesome stuff to have like playing in the background in your house as a little kid. Yeah, you know, that's pretty fucking cool. You know, and it's like and it took work back then, like like in order to find shit. Like I wish, like as you were saying that, I was like, I, I'm thinking in my head, like, I wish kids nowadays would dig. And even with something as easy as these stupid phones, they still don't dig. It's like, I saved up my allowance weekly to go to the record store to buy something based on another record, like, it, you know, uh, sounds like Slayer, so for fans of Metallica, for fans of Exodus. And then you go and you would buy a record pretty much based on the artwork because there's no internet. And if it wasn't on Headbangers Ball, it was just like word of mouth. Like, yeah, well, these guys sound like Sepultura, but then you buy it. And sometimes they sucked, yeah. you know, whatever band it was. But you, you, you did that. And it was like a ritual. You buy the record, you go in your room, you unwrap it, you read the lyrics, the thank you notes. It was like a fucking a thing, you know? It took a lot of effort, man. You had it did. Out. I used to use uh, thrashing magazines because they always did like reviews and stuff. And then they like, you know, sell t-shirts of bands and like, I would just look at the artwork. I was like, that looks like it's cool as shit. Like I oh, yeah. save up my lunch money. And usually by the end of the week, I had it, I had it planned out to where if I bought like a bagel, a bag of chips and a milk, it was like a dollar 60 and I'd get like, five bucks a day for lunch or, or whatever. I get three, I think it was $3 a day for lunch. So I would save the change, you know, and then at the end of the week I had enough to go buy a cassette and I go to the, we had a place called rock of ages that was uh-huh. like, like a mile from my house. I go up there and the guys, they were real cool too. Cause they'd see me like buying something. Like I remember buying, uh, I think it was victim in pain or something. Okay. Yeah. This was victim in pain. And, uh, they were like, Oh, you like that stuff? And I was like, I don't know. I'm trying it out. And he's like, well, if you like that, he's like, 
check this out or check this out. And like he, he, they were real supportive and cool. I'm a little like 13 year old kid going in there 14 or whatever. And yeah, man, yeah, it, it was good. It, it was a good way to find things. And I yeah. thought, I mean, you crap out. Sometimes you really crap out. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> I started for a week to buy this fucking thing. A hundred percent. But then it's funny. I've spoken about this before, but I'm not even sure if it was on the podcast or not, but you ever get like that one tape, and you and it's and you you just like what the fuck did I just buy? But since you saved up your money and since you bought that with your own hard work money or whatever it was, you kept on listening to it to try to make it grow on you, and then eventually it fucking rules. <laughs> yep. Yeah, man. Yeah, I was like that. I bought I bought Voivod Killing Technology. When I when I got it, I wasn't ready for it. Right. It was a bit, it was a bit much at the time I was on the more like punk rock vein or like early hardcore stuff. It was still just real simple. Sure. Like it sounded weird and it was crazy stuff going on. I wasn't ready for it. And I, right. I kind of put it aside for a couple of years and then I went back to it. Now I fucking love the stuff. Oh, of course. Yeah. You're just <laughs> not ready. <laughs> I didn't get it. I wasn't ready for it. You know? Right. Oh, I, I completely get it. I had the same thing. It's, it's weird. Cause I went and I bought, Leeway Born to Expire after I saw them play Lemoore's and that shit changed me, dude. It was right. It was, it was before Desperate Measures and it was, I went out and I bought Born to Expire and the same thing happened to me. The guy, we had, we had a little place that was called Ciro's CD Cellar. Now this is when CDs were like just coming out. So he was trying to like cash in on like the new big thing and calling it Ciro's CD Cellar, whatever. But, um, so I bought the Leeway tape and he's like, oh, okay, you like that. And he gave me Agnostic Front, Liberty and Justice. And I kind of wasn't ready. Only because Roger sounds like fucking, like a ghoul, like Dracula on the fucking thing. He sounds insane. But gun to my head, it's my favorite Agnostic Front record now. You know what I mean? It's very metal. I wasn't expecting it. Even though I was a metalhead and I was going into that crossover and then eventually into hardcore, it's a really good transition, like Born to Expire, Liberty and Justice, very crossover. But I just, I wasn't ready for how fast and heavy and how his voice was. And it took me a while. And then I was like, all right, now I get this. And then I went in reverse. And then I got Victim in Pain and Cause for Alarm. And then I went like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. See, that's see, like nowadays, like we can actually have a conversation for a few minutes about that. Kids nowadays, oh, yeah, you know, I pressed a button and I didn't like it, and I just pressed another button and I didn't like it. And then next thing you know, they forgot about what they even pressed. Yeah, I feel like an old man. I'm like, you're never gonna know, dude, dude, me too. I had to go through to find this. Same here. I feel that all the way. Like, get off my lawn, like the old man. I'm 45, but I feel like I sound like I'm 60. So now, Universal Stomp, how did that all come together, man? Uh, that was from, so the drummer of that band, actually, I went to high school with also. So I kind of knew him from school a little bit. I, I, feel like, I feel like the band never got its proper due. My personal know. opinion. I mean, I appreciate it. I don't know. I, I just, they just things, you know, sometimes things never line up, I guess. Of course. Um, I, I, it's, uh, I played in a different band and then that guy, that drummer played in a different band and our band, bands both broke up at the same time, kind of. Okay. And, uh, it's like, man, I really want to play with this dude. And then he called me and he was just like, I want to put this thing together. He's like, I got some guys that I used to play with. And so we were a four piece for like a year before we had a singer and right. we, just, we just played, just wrote songs and just played. And we used to play in, uh, storage containers, you know, like, uh, like a self-storage place, you know, you go to sure. garage doors. That's where we practiced back in the day. And it was like 80 bucks a month and you could scrounge up enough money to free. Oh yeah. You're not bothering nobody. There's usually no houses really too close. Well, we actually got kicked out because uh, <laughs> we were really loud and we were right next to a movie theater and the movie theater was complaining when we would practice at night that people could hear it over the movies. Oh shit. All right. Yeah, we, you know, we find somewhere else to practice, whatever. We yeah. actually practiced at Blondie's for a little while, which was kind of neat. That was a 
that was kind of like our CBGBs kind of thing where like all yeah. the legendary shit happened, you know? Sure. I've heard, obviously I've never been there, but I've heard stories about it for real. Yeah. yeah. We used to practice there on days that it wasn't open sometimes. So that was kind of neat. The owner liked us and knew, knew some of the guys in the band and he'd come and open it up for us. And it was just like a show because you got to haul all your shit down there and then you're in the ghetto and <laughs> but it was cool. It was, it was what we did. Yeah, man. And then uh, were you in any bands before you? How many bands were you in before Universal Stomp? Even if you didn't even release anything. Uh, my, I, I had like a two like high school bands that didn't really do anything. You know, one of them played some a few shows, and then and the other one never made it out of the basement. Okay. And that was it. So Universal Stomp was the first thing that really did anything. You know, we right. did some tours. You know, we did a couple East Coast tours and a lot of long weekends, and uh, did one West Coast tour. Nice. They, they didn't amount to anything, but it was cool. I saw yeah. some cool shit, man. The first time we did an East Coast tour, we played in uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey. Okay. The Cricket Club. Okay. And it was with like, this was like 1995 or six. Okay. And it was like 25 to life, <laughs> one for one, Fury of Five, like a lot of like heavy hitters. Yeah, you know what I mean. And we had never seen Kung Fu in the Pit yet back uh, in Detroit. And I was like, "What is this? This is amazing!" Yeah, it was, that was yeah. a great time. That was the only real good show of that tour, I'd say. Well, actually, we, we had a good show in Virginia. For some reason, like you get spots where you're just like, "Oh, you kind of do good in this spot and this spot." For some reason, Roanoke, Virginia, we did good. Okay, a lot of really cool kids there, and we went back there a couple of times just to we just drive there and play and go back because we're like, "Hey, we can go here and there'll be a good show." So fuck it. Yeah. You put out like four records or something like that, didn't you? Three. There's like EP and two full lengths. And then, yeah. then we did like a later kind of like a reunion thing. We did like a compilation of compilation of the hits kind of, of the hits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. So now that, that band, when did it start? Probably right. Obviously like mid nineties. And then, you're an you're based, you you are an original member of Walls of Jericho, no? Yeah, yep. Yeah, so Walls of Jericho is is the, the inception was what like 97, 98? 98 officially, I think. Officially. Yeah. Yep. Nice. And yeah, then, I, when I, I joined Earth Mover like right at the end. Gotcha. Right before they broke up. We went like I got a call. I was friends with Mike and and uh I got a call from him. He was just like we're going to need a bass player pretty soon. If you want to do it, we're going to Europe. We got, we've got like a tour booked. Like if you want to do it, you got like eight days. to That's learn your fucking day. maiden moment, man. It was the moment I had 18, I had eight days to learn. I think it was like 17 or 18 songs or something. And I sat in my room. Like I, I remember just sitting just for like hours and hours, just playing it, playing it, playing it, playing it. And I was like, like, you got to audition. Cause you know, there's other people that you want other people to be in the band. So you got to audition. I was like, okay. And I showed up and I, I think I messed up one little thing and it wasn't even bad enough to have to stop. You know, I just like, I blew it like on one little spot, yeah. crushed everything else. And then the other dude who showed up, like knew like half of one song. Oh, and I was like, Oh, I got it. Yeah. You, Hey man, you were prepared for class. You put the work in, you see what happens. I put in some work and I think we had to, I think me and Mike had to drive to maybe Chicago or something to like embassy so I could get a passport like real fast and stuff. Like we do a bunch of weird shit to do it. Really? And we drove to Florida because it was, this was like as DIY as you could do back then. So the cheapest flights were from Miami. So we drove to Florida <laughs> to fly to Europe. Nice. Like it was, the whole thing was a mess. It was a great time. But it was, Hey, listen, man, you got a budget. You got to fucking use that shit wisely. Yeah, and I don't care. I'll sleep in a I sleep in the van. Like it doesn't matter. Like what I'm just, yeah. All you guys, all the bands that toured the world and the van tours all over Europe and shit, sleeping all over each other in vans and shit. I'm sure you can sleep fucking anywhere at this point. Yeah, I slept in I mean, we slept in parking block, like par park parking lots, so like yeah. using the parking block as a pillow. Like I've done all that shit. Like nice. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. No, you're still here. You have stories to tell. It's all no, good. It's fine. I mean, it, you know, when when you play music, you'll do anything for that piece. You know, you just yeah. want, you are like, I'll do anything for that half hour. Like whatever. Like if, it, yeah. if you're going to fucking starve or just sleep on top of four people in a van, I don't care. But as long as I get that half hour playing. Yeah, man. So, so once, once Walls Jericho went out onto the road, I mean, you guys, you guys, I mean, relatively speaking, you guys picked up steam pretty fucking quick, dude. 
we tried, man. We, we tried right away. We, we had a good group of people that all kind of had the same idea. Like everybody was like, wanted more than just playing shows at home. You know what I mean? We wanted to do stuff and earth mover had kind of started doing it already. And what, and universal stop had kind of already started doing it. So we kind of had some ideas. This thing called the internet was kind of just starting. So you could talk to people that were far away, you know, and you could kind of, you could work shit out a little bit. Yeah. So we just started doing weekends like every, like we'd work all week and then Friday night or Thursday night, usually we would like whoever worked the latest, we would leave after they were done. So if like somebody worked till midnight, we hit the road at midnight and we drive to Chicago, Wisconsin, you know, we just, that was our weekends. We just did a whole bunch of work. And it kind of paid off a little bit, you know. I guess. Yeah, but listen. I mean, I mean, you. I mean, how many times have you been around the world? Is is besides obviously like Antarctica and shit and Greenland? I mean, you've been to Australia now. Uh, yeah, the band did. I didn't go to that one. I kind of missed out on a couple of tours because I, had, I think my son was about to be born, maybe or something. Okay. There's a couple life moments where. I, I had to bow out of some things. Oh, come on, dude, you have to. I mean, you, you have a child being born. It's like everything gets put on the back burner. I get it. I'm a father. I get it. Everything stops. Yeah. You got you to you weigh that stuff all the time. You're like, how much can I do to where I look back in life and I don't regret not doing it or I don't regret not being at home for something? Like, sure. to it. it's rough, man. It, it was super rough. And there well, was, you yeah. never know what the right choice is. You just kind of hope that you kind of made the right move. And, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm looking at like a ch- one of my children are being born or go to Europe. I'm most likely I'll wind up going to Europe eventually again. Anyway, yeah. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have the same child being born again. So of course it's, it's a no brainer. So now how did you get into it? It's a stupid question, but your tattoos, man. Like, how did that all? Co- I mean, did you? I, I know it's stupid, and and people probably ask you this all the fucking time. I know it's a completely different medium, and it's a completely different art. But were you handy as far as like being an artist, like drawing? I know it's different. I know tattoo artists hate that shit. Yeah, no, I've I've been doing that since I was a kid. My dad's an artist. Um, I grew up around it. Yeah, when I was in high school. I actually used I helped him do stuff. He was like painting murals at the time, so sometimes he'd have like a real big job. Like I would go in and help him do stuff like that. So I've kind of always been doing art Yeah. Um, at a real young age. I, I mean, I remember starting like kindergarten, maybe before kindergarten, just knowing that I could do things that other people weren't, couldn't do as well Yeah. with, with a pencil or paint or whatever. Like I, I kind of, like my brain was different in that aspect. So I kind of always just did it. It's always drawn towards it. Yeah. Creating, I mean, music and art, it's kind of the same really. It is creative bro creative creative mind yeah so i just i've been doing that stuff forever and then uh, i had a chance to learn how to tattoo and i kind of wanted to when i was in high school i thought it'd be cool i'd drawn some things or people were getting tattooed and I'm like oh it'd be cool if i just did that you know but Fuck. back then it wasn't a really legitimate career right and a lot of people that were involved in that world back when i was in high school like i was a little iffy of like how i didn't know how that world worked I only knew kind of what you hear on the outskirts, you know, like, so things seemed like shady and I was like, I don't know if I want to get involved in that. So I did, I kind of forgot about it really. Yeah. Later when I was in universal stomp, I met a dude who loved our band and he had, he was getting our band logo tattooed on him and he invited me to come hang out when he was getting it done. And I was like, yeah, I'll come check it out. You know, I met the guy who owned the shop who was doing tattoos. Like he was a real nice dude. I was like, I'll check it out. Cool. And then while I was there, he's just like, Hey, you want to color in some of this? Cause he drew it. It'd be cool. You know? Yeah. I was like, I'll do it. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. And then, uh, and it was fun. I didn't think it was going to be a career. I just thought it'd be something fun to mess around with for a second, you know? And yeah, I was dating my wife at the time we left. She's like, you're going to end up tattooing. Nice. Um, Did it feel natural once you had the gun in your hand? I didn't think so, but she said it looked like it. She said, yeah. she said you already look like you know what you're doing. She's, and I was like, seriously? I was like, I feel like I was doing fucking garbage. It took me an hour to do something like this big. You know, yeah. like it was stupid. But, well, maybe you were just trying to be extra careful. Uh, I, mean, I mean, like, you know, you're worried like, because oh, like, you know it hurts somebody. So you're like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You know, like, you know what it's like digging and shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't do amazing, but it was the icebreaker. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, 
it was a good way to kind of ease into something. Yeah. Know? So. Well, well, obviously you put your work in because how long do you have this shop now? Uh, this shop's been over like six years. Okay. Did you have anything beforehand? Did you own another shop before? I didn't own one. No, I just worked at a couple other places. Okay. Good shit, man. I mean, are there, I mean, obviously there's Detroit tattoo conventions. I don't even know about what's going on now in Detroit as far as this fucking pandemic shit or anything like that. No, we got scheduled for March of 22. They got the convention scheduled, so. Oh, nice. And it's awesome because right now New York is is finally, I think on Friday, our friggin' King Cuomo, the mayor, finally said that, like, we're back 100% open. 100%. Yeah, we did the same like uh, a week or two ago. And yeah. Not like the thing like, oh, you do what you fucking want now. Yeah. But I just came back from vacation with my daughter. But like in airports, you have to wear your mask. On the trains, on the subway, you're supposed to wear your mask. But it's like sporadic. You know, you see a couple of people here and there. Mo- a couple of people don't. Most still do on the trains. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Yeah. Did it affect you as far as as far as tattooing and shit? This whole nonsense. Well, we, we were shut down for three months. You know, we weren't allowed to do anything. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after, as soon as we opened, I don't know what the hell happened, but it's busier than it's ever been. Yo, people got that itch, man. It I'm dying. I'm dying to get something new. It's crazy. I mean, even like little, like you know, smaller shops that you know typically aren't as busy. Like even those guys are booked up. Like there's just people that want tattoos. Just coming out of everywhere. That's yeah. nuts. Hey, listen. It's, it's like, well, it's kind of going to be like, like, like shows. Like shows are coming back, which I think is obviously. I was, I'm not in a band, but all of you guys and everybody else that I've had on here, they're, they're dying to get back out on the road, and everyone's fiending for shows. So it's going to be like that initial, the next year or so. Is going to be insane, especially local shows. I'm not talking about festivals in Europe because it's a different animal. But, you know, local, everyone's going to be going crazy and flooding the places. And then I think it'll go back to, you know, you know, a few people here and there, you know, everyone, you know, everyone has pent up shit, you know? Yeah. Wouldn't it be sweet, though, if they could keep the passion rolling like it used to be? You know, It would be fucking amazing, dude. Like, I, it's just like... Again, I sound like a fucking old man. It's like, I remember like 1992, the Ritz, Morbid Angel, Agnostic Front, SOD reunion. And it was just bodies on bodies on bodies from the back bar to the stage, both walls. And I remember vividly of like, I have my Doc Martens on and I'm on my tippy toes with my head up trying to breathe because it's so fucking hot in there and everyone is just all over you. And you can literally crawl on top of people from the back bar all the way to the stage on people. There's no hardcore horseshoe. There's no people standing over there like this. All right, like, all right, you guys are on stage now. Now impress me. Like, there was none of that shit. It was fucking amazing. CBGB's Local bands with a demo out, jam-packed. What happened, man? What the fuck happened? I don't know, man. It's, it's sad, though, because that was, that was the shit. It was the shit. And, and a lot of these kids, they'll never experience that. And it'll, it will never be duplicated. It will never happen again. People are different. Times are different. Technology is different. Music is different. Venues are gone. It'll never be duplicated. No, <laughs> it sucks for them. I guess I'm glad. I, I'm glad I seen some amazing, legendary shows. I mean, especially also living on the East Coast, born and raised in Brooklyn, going to shows, shows in the city, Lamores, CBGBs. You know, fucking suicidal tendencies in a room that holds like 500 people. What? It's amazing. Yeah. You know, lights, camera, revolution tour. What? You know, good shit. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, well, Wells Jericho is going back out soon. Furnace yeah. Fest? Yeah, we got Furnace Fest, and I think we're going to do one show before that, too, actually. So I think it turned into two shows. So That's, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, man. So, I mean, it's great, because we didn't think we were going to do anything this year. I thought this year was just a wash, because everything got moved to next year. Yeah. So I thought this year was just going to be just no shows at all. So 
we got that. I was like, I don't even care. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why the fuck not? You need to adjust your little tattoo schedule, whatnot, and fucking go out for a couple of days. Yep. No? <laughs> yeah, I was actually I was supposed to be out of town doing some family stuff. And then uh, we, we got everything all worked out. So I, so we're good. Good for that. Good to go. Good shit. You mind if I throw out some sponsors real quick? No, go nuts. Go nuts. Are you a coffee guy, Aaron? No, I don't, man. Caffeine makes me feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> That's like, awesome. like my chest like vibrates. Like I feel like I'm having a panic attack when that shit, like I can't even have like too much chocolate without feeling crazy. If I have like a candy bar, like I won't sleep for like till like six in the morning. Really? Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know if I'm just sensitive to it or maybe because I don't have it enough, but I don't know. It makes, it makes me feel awful. Are you, are you straight edge? I am, but it has nothing to do with the caffeine stuff. It's just <laughs> extra sensitive. Dude, I can drink fucking six Red Bulls and a pot of coffee and go to bed. I remember Hasty do that stuff on tour. You have a coffee, go right to sleep. He's like, how oh, does it affect me? I'm like, that's crazy because I feel like I'll drive to fucking Alaska if I drink some coffee. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, well, well, my sponsor maybe isn't for you, but it's <laughs> all right. They might have decaf shit. Who knows? Um, that's fucking funny. Caffeine makes me feel like I'm going to die. Um, dead sled coffee. Go figure. Um Follow Dead Sled Coffee on Instagram at Dead Sled Coffee. And if you go to deadsledcoffee.com and you type in the promo code Brooklyn Blast, you'll get 20% off of your order. And any anything over $60 is free domestic shipping around the United States. But what's cool about them is now my three sponsors I've been using way before the podcast was even thought of. So I'm not saying this because they're sponsors. I don't, I don't make money off of this shit anyway, but, um, what's cool is they work with, like they have, um, a wisdom and chains brew. Yeah. They, 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 they did something with them. They did something with the toasters, the ska band. And they also, they licensed, officially licensed with a whole bunch of like horror people and musicians. Like they have a Cypress Hill blend. (laughs) They have a kiss blend, dude. All four, like, like limited edition bags, all four members of the group, like pretty fucking cool. Um, you're into horror stuff now. Yeah. Oh yeah. They have a Kane Hodder blend an Elvira blend, uh, Robert Englund. They have a nightmare blend. I guess it's like extra fucking, you would, you would probably have a heart attack in a second. It's like espresso to <laughs> keep thinking about it. What are you talking about? Right. Yeah, but they do a lot of really cool shit. They do a lot of things like with horror people and musicians and stuff. And it's only a few people that own it. So it's a small independent thing. But for a small little company, they do really cool shit. I don't know how the fuck they got Kiss to sign off on some special brew coffee. Well, come on. I mean, they're the king of merchandising. They'll probably put their name on anything if they make a fucking buck on it. Yeah. yeah, Isn't there a rumor or it could be true that fucking Gene Simmons tried to copyright the term OJ, like the orange juice? Oh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't put it past. I wouldn't put yeah. it past. Oh shit. Yeah, so densightcoffee.com. Second sponsor is Generation Records, located at 210 Thompson Street in the West Village here in New York City. Follow them on Instagram at Generation Records. Um, if you cannot make the brick and mortar spot, they they survived this whole pandemic, which is cool. They've been around since 92 and they're like the last fucking record store in the area down in that neighborhood. Um, you can go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com and you can order stuff online from them. So, I mean, you've probably been there before now. I'm not sure, man. I remember first time I went to New York City, we, when we, uh, it was Universal Stomp, we came out there and uh, I remember going to Bleecker. Bleecker Bob's. Yeah. I it's a, it's a fucking, it's a fusion sushi spot now. No, that sounds awful. It's fucking brutal. We went to a couple of places that like legendary spots that we had heard of, you know, yeah. like, go to this spot and this spot, you know, we went to some food. I forgot what the food place was. Something that had some chicken Parmesan thing. That everybody loses their mind about. Was it overrated? No, it was good, man. It was, okay. It was real good. It was somewhere over by CBGB's. I remember. Okay. Yeah. So generation records and last but not least new Republic printing. Follow them on Instagram at New Republic Printing for screen printing, embroidery, vinyl stickers, and buttons. 
Um, you can go to newrepublicprinting.net. There's a drop down menu. Any kind of article of clothing brand wise, you could pick out. You can get whatever you want printed on whatever brand you want. But the best thing about them, I've been using them on and off for like 15 years. Um, there's no setup fees. There's no screen fees. And if, and if you get your order shipped to a commercial address, like, I don't know, your tattoo shop, it's free UPS ground shipping. So you can get 10,000 shirts made, get 100 boxes delivered, and it doesn't cost you a dime, which is insane. Yeah. New, yeah, New Republic Printing. Follow them on Instagram at New Republic Printing. Those are my three sponsors. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, man. So what else is going on? What's up with new wisdom and chains music? Wisdom and chains music. So I have my fucking notes here. Uh, what I, was was like, I don't really know, but maybe you could let tell me about it. <laughs> I love those guys. Shout out to them. Yeah, but yeah. new walls of Jericho music, man. What's up? I know you guys aren't very, very active because I get it. Everyone's an adult and have lives. But what's up? I don't know, man. If if they said something was happening, I would say yes. But it's not up to me, you know. Who do I got to talk to to fucking put a flame under their ass? I got to talk to Mike Hasty. No, I think he's just as down as I would be. Really, it's just, I think, I don't know. I feel like everybody's really down. Maybe it's just a conversation we need to have. I'm not sure, but right. a lot of it is we're not a full-time band anymore. We're not right. going to do stuff. We're, we can only do what we're going to do. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we're all most of us have families and things going on like time is limited careers stuff like that so to do a record there's expectations you sure. know we can't have a label pay for stuff and do things and then be like all right sorry we're not gonna you know thanks for doing this but we're not gonna go on tour at all for the next four years right so even if they said yes like i don't know if our own guilt would allow us to do something you know what i mean like it's kind of hard to feel like you're taking advantage of somebody sure so yeah that's that that's something we have to figure out for sure yeah man well listen i'm glad i'm glad that you guys are going back out on the road um I'm not just saying this because you're on i've been a huge fan of the band for a long fucking time um i was when i was when i had candace on a couple of weeks ago i was saying my daughter it was it was kind of like the same thing like what do you choose it was like my daughter was just 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 born she was like two weeks old and I was talking with Candace and Mike. I'm not going to name the whole thing, but I used to have a clothing line that I used to send Candace and I used to send things to you guys. But um, what was it? I'm not saying I'll tell you off air. All right. Um, <laughs> but I used New Republic printing for it. So that's how I long remember. we're going back. I, we, we've gotten stuff over the years a couple of times. I remember getting stuff from people a little bit yeah. here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I was talking and you guys were just about to go out and do with full force 2009. And I was like, I so want to go, like, I want to go. And I think it was, either, it was either Candace or Mike that was like, dude, get your flight. And once you get here, like one of them gave me like their phone number at the time. I was like, listen, once you get here, get in contact like we'll get you in like we'll, we'll we'll get you a fucking laminate or whatever just get in and we'll take care of you but then you know being considerate obviously and a new father and my 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 ex-wife she's a huge fan of the band too so how would i feel being like stage left off to the side while you guys are playing full force and my ex-wife is back in New York with a screaming, crying baby. It's just kind of not cool. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that, those are the choices. Those are, those right. Are the choices. I couldn't do that. There was no way I could. I would have felt like I would have been having a great time in Germany. But in the back of my head, I would have felt like a piece of shit. So I had to not go. Yeah. And then like, like the following year or something, I don't think you guys played. And then I don't know what the fuck happened from yeah, that. Yeah, it's usually every other year. They don't want you two years in a row on that kind of stuff. So yeah. we kind of had like a little rotation of what we did every, you know, this year we do these things and the next year we do these couple things. And this gotcha. year, it was a cool cycle to be on because we knew we were going to do sweet shit every year. Yeah, yeah. fucking festival. You're, you're, I, that, that's one thing, not, not being in a band, 
But that's one thing that I that I always want to check off my bucket list is some sort of a fucking big ass outdoor European festival, like with Full Force or Hellfest or something like that. Yeah. Dynamo. They're neat, man. I don't I don't know how we ended up working out so we could do that stuff, but it's hard work, man. It worked, and we get asked to come back, so that's cool. Some of the a guy from Full Force loved us. Yeah, he's been so cool to us, and he's a fan of our band, and like really really makes us feel very welcome. Yeah. I mean, the other festivals too, but I just remember that guy specifically, like he had last time we played, he gave us a really big opportunity and let us be direct support for Slayer. Fucking sick. So, I mean, that was like, that was crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like a, probably that, Oh shit. How the fuck did I get here moment? Yeah. That was one of the few times that I was actually a little nervous because Slayer is one of those bands that like, if you're not Slayer, you're just in the way. You know you're, I mean? damn, you're fucking damn right, man. You're so damn like, right. Like, I don't know how this is gonna go. We'll see. Yeah, and and I saw them. It was it was a choice. It was that band Violence, the Bay Area band Violence, yeah. was playing in Brooklyn for the first time in like 30 years. But I also had tickets to the last Slayer show ever in New York City. So I went to go see Slayer. That's oh, like man. it's not gonna happen again. And dude, so fucking tight. It, it was, I was telling my girl, I'm like, it sounds like we're listening to them on the fucking PA. They were still uh, just a machine. So, and plus Slayer fans are Slayer fans. And you're in the way if you're not Slayer and you're playing with them. hundred yeah. percent, dude. Uh, that's correct. But we, we did, had a great time. Crowd liked us. Everything went well, thankfully. So good stuff, man. Well, is there any, um, you want to shout out any of your, 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 your tattoo workers, your shop? I mean, promote your shit, man. Even though it's social media and nonsense, but listen, it's 2021 and we're both old, but it's what we got to do. I don't know how to do that stuff. So All right. I'm, I'm awkward enough that it doesn't really make sense in my world. Um, my shop is North Main Tattoo Studio. It's northmaintattoos.com. Um, North type, type it in on Facebook, type it in on Instagram, you'll find it. Yeah, my stuff's just Aaron Ruby tattoos, like yeah. on social media. Yeah. Take a look, see what you think. Um, I do have a great crew that I work with. Uh, we've got like, I have a business partner, Jay Wheeler. Uh, he's sick. He's the one I really kind of learned how to do portrait stuff from. Really, I've worked with him for over 20 years in other yeah. shops and stuff, so... Um, and he's a great business partner, very like-minded. We get along real well. We both have, uh, it's kind of like when Walls Jericho started, we're, we kind of, we're people on the same path. You know what I mean? And we yeah. came together and just continued. So. Yeah. And, and I mean, he mentored you, mentored you into how to doing portraits and this is going to come out. I mean, we're on podcast time. This is going to come out in like two weeks. I always have like two before I, I, I drop one, but for anyone who's listening or watching, go to Aaron Ruby tattoos. It's, at that, at, when you're hearing this, it'll be like one of your, one of the recent posts you posted. It's a, a portrait of an older lady mm -hmm. and it's the tattoo phased into the actual photograph. And it's, dude, it's, it's stupid how good it is. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And cause I have, I have a couple of tattoos. I have a couple of portraits. Some of them are incredible. Some of them went right off the fucking rails quick and they're terrible, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> uh, it happens and it can happen real quick. If you're not a good tattoo, you know, not a good portrait artist, but who am I telling you? I'm not saying nothing that you don't already know, but um, yeah, man, you're a ridiculous tattoo artist. Um, Appreciate it. I, I will eventually get out that way. And if I am around that way, before I leave, I would definitely love to get a piece from you. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I'm um, happy to do something for you, man. Make sure you plan it ahead of time. 100%. I'm not going to walk in like, hey, man, I'm the idiot with the podcast tattooing me. No, nah, man, I don't, I don't roll that way. You know, I'll definitely make sure I I, uh, I go throughout the proper channels and hook you, in, you know, whatever. But yeah, dude, now... Any musician that I always have on, like this, this video is going to go up on YouTube raw, just how we started to front to end. And I, I usually just throw it up on the, um, the Brooklyn Blast Furnace group page, just like this. But the audio version goes everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. 
but I always put on my intro and I have to ask you, you have to pick like between your kids. I'm going to ask you to pick two Walls of Jericho songs that I can tack on to the end of the audio version of this episode of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace. All right. But if you put, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. All, right, all right. So I would, I would choose Why Father. You know, what's, you know what's hilarious? Of all songs, Candace picked that too, but I'll really? play it again. Yeah. That's, I just, that's like the second song we wrote. Yeah. Together. Like together as a band. That's the second one. And that was one of those like shit just came together songs, you know, like you're writing stuff and you're just like, and this and then this and this and like, fuck yeah. And then this and like, ah, and it's going to be crazy. And it yeah. just worked. And it's so fun to play. Like we back when we were writing that stuff, like the tempo was as actually it wasn't as fast. The tempo was just faster than you could play it. That's how we wrote shit. We figure by the time we play it, like for real, we'll be able to play it. But right now we can't quite play it yet. That's right. how fast you have to play it. That's how fast we would write everything. Like everything is so fast back then. But that was what got us excited. You know, like if my arm wasn't dying when I was playing a riff on something, I didn't feel like we were doing anything. Right. And that song just had just some fast stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking fast, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Of all the songs and all the records, Candace picked that song too. But go ahead. That's cool. Uh, maybe, maybe we can work that one back in a set list then if she's got that on her mind. Yeah. I mean, it, it came to her pretty quick, just like you did. That was the first one she picked. Yeah, I guarantee I could play that right now. Like, from a four count, I could play that whole song, like, for sure. Nice. Even though we haven't played it in over probably 20 years. Work that shit back in, man. Some people like the oldies. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> the oldies. Uh, I mean, it is oldies. I know, I know. That was from 1998. That's yeah. Like fucking oldie. That's, like, damn near antique. What did I say, 25 years is antique or something? It's now? crazy. I feel like 1998 was like five years ago. It's so crazy. Dude, I know. I see the old pictures of us. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I felt like I was an adult then. I look like I'm a fucking child. Like, we yeah. all do. You know, like, holy shit. Like, that's what 20 years fucking does to somebody. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and you got to pick You gotta pick one more. Oh, uh, see? Now I'm fucking terrible with the names of our songs, which I can guarantee that Candace said the same thing. Because we never know the names of our own songs. No, she said that you yeah. have like little nicknames or whatever that you throw on the set list. Little half yeah, words like or whatever. Shit that like, oh, it reminds me of this or there's this part that has this thing. And that's what, because that's what we do when we write shit. Because you, you don't have word, you don't have names for stuff when you're writing it. Right. So you come up with these like stupid little things that differentiate this fucking mess from this other mess. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that's, then that's what you remember. I always remember that. We had a song called Chris 2. Okay. Like it was written like on a board, so we remember what song we were about. I still that's the only way I can remember that fucking song. I don't know what the real name is, but I know it's Chris too. And like, oh, play Chris too. Okay, I got it. Like that's just <laughs> and it's like I don't know, fucking whatever. There's no I and fuck you or some shit. Yeah, I mean that all that stuff was written way before that the name of the song. Like, most of the names of our songs aren't even in the song. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, that was we were like doing dumb shit. We we're like, why make things make sense when you can just have it be a mystery and bum everybody out? Right. So um, you, you don't remember any names of songs. That's fucking. I, I, there's one on the verge, which is the song I'm trying to think of, and <laughs> it, it's my. It, it's I'm kind of doing like the old new thing. So from our last record, my favorite song from our last record is the uh, Beyond All Praise song. Okay. That song, yeah, we've never played that one, and I hope to someday be able to play that song because I fucking love that song. I'll fuck. So is that, that you pick? I'll throw that on the end. No problem. That's my pick. That, that's those are the two. Sounds like a fucking plan to me. I man. might even have the name wrong. Like that's just what I remember in the song. So I might be fucking wrong on that one. I'll find it. You'll figure. I'll find it. It. I have yeah. it all. I have it all anyway. I'll find it. I'll figure it out. Have you ever heard the cover of us doing uh, Disposable Heroes from Metallica? Yes, that's on. Um, yeah, that's it's good. on some compilation. Yep. That I found it. Yes, ridiculous. I had somebody ask me if I had a copy of that somewhere the other day. I was like, how do you even know about that? The internet, bro. Yeah, I guess it's the internet. Yeah. The fucking internet. Yep. It's my second favorite Metallica song, Disposable Heroes. Uh, you know why we chose that one? No, I do because not. It destroys your arm when you play it. Because yeah, yeah, I'm sure it does. It's just like 
it's just Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Like I remember trying to record, just holding on, just like like you're treading water, just like trying not to die. Right, and playing it every night like they did back in the days. Yeah, we played it once to record it, and that was it. So that's <laughs> <laughs> sick. I don't think we ever played it. We may have played live once. There was one show that we played. Actually, fucking great time too. This is one of, like just one of those weird spots you always remember. It was a off day show. We were on tour with Earth Crisis. And in flames, and no, it was Earth Crisis. I think it was Earth Crisis in flames. Okay. Um, and Skin Lab, I believe, was the three bands we were on tour with. And the, somebody's tour manager didn't ha, was a fucking asshole and a complete fucking clown. And we were supposed to go to Canada. And he didn't want us to go to Canada because he thought that we were going to fuck up crossing the border or have some issues or something. Um, so he told us that we weren't on the Canadian shows just so we're like, Oh fuck, we've got these like four or five days. We got to fill while we're on tour. Yeah. So we, we, you know, you, you throw the, you throw feelers out, you know, we, we played these weird like off day shows. We played one at this small theater somewhere down south. I feel like it was maybe like Texas or Louisiana or something. I wish I could remember better. Um, Hasty would probably remember. He remembers fucking all this stuff way better than I do. But we, it was, it was just us. I don't think any other bands played. And we played all our songs and then didn't have anything else. And they're just like, play, play, you know, play again. I think we played songs twice. We played, Uh um, I think, I'm pretty sure we played Disposable Heroes. Cause I think we played it one time ever and it was then. And we also played the song angel, which we played one time ever. And it was huh. after that show. Just wow. because we had to just play more shit. And it was great. Like it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was just Candace and Chris, you know, it's just guitar and, and singing. Yeah. But that show That's was cool. Awesome. I wish I could remember it a little bit better, but I remember playing just whatever we could play. And we had a couple covers that we used to kind of play back in the day a little bit. And I think we played those and we hadn't played them in like a year or two. And we like busted those out just to try to play more shit. Yeah. Just to fucking have fun. It's kind of like a, like a total request fucking show. Yeah. And just messing things. I mean, not even like kind of half knowing shit and just playing it and like, fuck, who cares if you mess up? Like we're, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's fucking cool, man. Well, listen, I hope, I hope everything goes well and, and you guys have a great fucking time on Furnace Fest and the other show. And, uh, Hopefully, hopefully things open up and you do more stuff. Yeah. Hopefully. If you can, if you want, you know, but <laughs> it would be cool. Last time I seen you guys was like a long time ago, man. It was only, it was you guys. It was just you supported Life of Agony at Starland in Jersey. This is probably like five years ago, six yeah. years ago, something yeah, like that. A birthday show, right? Yes. Yep. I think it was 15, maybe. I feel like it was 2015. Yeah, that, yeah, it could very well be like six years ago, man. That was a great show. That was one of those, like, we're just rolling up there, playing that show and going home. I'm li- I might be lying. You guys also played Tsunami Fest. We did, which was also with Life of Agony. So it's kind right. of confusing. Yeah. Yeah, it was Life of Agony, Madball, Eddie Leeway's show. It was a bu- that was actually a really cool show. That was but, um, a really cool show. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. So I'm not sure which one was before or after, but around the same time frame. So it was one of those two shows the last time I seen you. It's at least five years, regardless. So it'd be cool if you guys fucking came through just one more time. Just for me. You know, just for me. Dude, I would love to. I would love to. Well, hopefully I'll see you sooner rather than later, brother. I would like that very much. Absolutely. Dude, thank you so much for your fucking time, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Absolutely. And we'll definitely be... uh, in touch, I will. I'll tag you in all the nonsense and everything. You'll know exactly when it comes out, and if you want to share it, share it. If not, I'll share it so all my friends can fucking laugh at me and be perfect. There you go. So they can hear me. Who's that retard, friggin' Brooklyn guy who stutters through his own podcast? It's all right. It's all good, man. Dude, be safe, have fun, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, my man. All right, take care. Later, brother.